You're listening to the feed. This is the feed. This is the feed. The feed. You're listening to the feed. In Markham. In Richmond Hill. You're listening to the feed in Vaughan. In Stouffville. In Woodbridge. In Unionville. This is the feed on 1059 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Welcome to a special return to play edition of the show. Finally, after months without live sports action, the pros and we, the fans, are ready. Coming up, how the players are preparing physically and mentally. Also on the show, the pride of Aurora, now a Philadelphia Flyer, hits the ice with our Jim Lang. But we begin inside one of Canada's NHL hubs. Toronto was chosen as a hub city along with Edmonton in an effort to get NHL hockey back on track. This was a big deal and it still is. Loads of proposals, planning and wheeling and dealing, all under the watchful eye of public health. Toronto Mayor John Tory took the reins on this one and he joins us now to explain how we got where we are today with just hours to go until the puck drops for the Leafs in the NHL playoffs. Mayor Tory, thank you for being with us on the feed. My pleasure, Ant. Thank you. So let's go back in time. Uh, what impressed you most about the NHL's plans to resume play? Well, I think what's most impressive about the whole thing is how thorough it is. Uh, everything has been covered, you know, and I think it's been covered in the interests of public health, both for the fans and the people of Toronto, but also for the players and the, and the staff that came with the teams. And it's just a very thorough, very secure plan that has basically two hotels, a few buses, and one arena. And, you know, I think that's a slight exaggeration, but not much as to where these people will be, and they'll be there for a few weeks, and they're not really moving. And I think that's what made it uh, a very saleable proposition and good for the city and I think good for hockey. And why did you think that Toronto should be a hub city? Well, I mean, I make the argument, and some people who come here from elsewhere in the NHL disagree that Toronto is the hockey capital of the world, and uh, others who are neutral may not agree with that. But I just think for us uh, to have the honor, the privilege, and then sort of the history, as it were, of being a hub city is uh, fantastic for the city. It's fantastic for hockey. I mean, this is where the Hockey Hall of Fame is. So, you know, it, we weren't initially in the front running, and then I think when some things happened, as they did south of the border, um, it started to look better and better to be here, both in terms of the great plan that was put together by the NHL, the players, and by the Toronto Maple Leaf organization, uh, and by the city, and also just in terms of our great uh, attachment to the game of hockey. So you touched on the bubbles. Would you explain the setup that began to take shape earlier this past week? Well, what they did was they moved in uh, kind of at the beginning of the week, and they all had to come, by the way. It was one of the requirements, interestingly enough, on chartered flights. Some of them had thought they might come here on commercial flights. They came on chartered flights. They went straight after, I think, some testing. Uh, they'd been tested before they got here, too, by the way, but they went straight to either the Royal York Hotel or to the Hotel X, which is a hotel not everybody necessarily is familiar with, but it's down at Exhibition Place across the street from Ontario Place, a brand-new hotel with a big sports complex. And they will essentially stay there sealed in that hotel except to go and play the games and to practice. And inside each of those hotels, they set up huge varieties of restaurants. They obviously have fitness facilities. They have all kinds of uh, housekeeping that goes on to make sure they're comfortable. Uh, but that was the key to this whole thing was that they would basically be isolated. So for any fans uh, that, that are listening uh, you know, uh, to the feed, I don't think they uh, should be rushing down to either Exhibition Place or the Royal York because they basically got it fenced off with the very nice-looking coverings. But nonetheless, you're not really welcome in those two places. So let's talk about the safety for league members, but also the Torontonians who are going to be working in this bubble to 
to keep the players and staff, uh, you know, fed and clean and healthy and beds made and, and you know, taken from point A to point B or to Hotel X. <laughs> well, all of those people are going to be subject to a testing regime. They're subject to screening that goes on on a daily basis to make sure they're not showing any symptoms. And, you know, so no stone has been left unturned in making sure that two things happen. First, that the players and the teams and the staff of those teams are all safe. And second, that all of the people of Toronto, including in particular the people who are working inside these bubbles, are also safe. And of course, when they get to the arena, uh, I was over there this week earlier on for an Indigenous blessing that was done of the whole event and the arena and so forth. And it's kind of eerie because in the Scotiabank arena, where normally you're not there when it isn't a crowd scene, there's nobody there. And they've tarped over the seats and put these wonderful screens up, as, as people may have seen in the exhibition games. They certainly will see as the games start this weekend. But it's, uh, it, it's a transformation, and they're going to pipe in some crowd noise and some music to make it seem like a hockey game. But otherwise, there are very few people that are given access to these bubbles, and everybody that does has a rigorous program to uh, keep them healthy and keep everybody they see healthy. You know, earlier this week, uh, there were some problems in Major League Baseball, a COVID-19 outbreak uh, in the Mariners team. Does that concern you when you hear about other pro sports having some real big issues? Well, this was the major issue all the way along. I mean, and this is no criticism of baseball, but they chose a model that had the teams moving around so the Blue Jays would leave Toronto and go and play away games, including a couple that were going to be in the hot spots. Uh, they've already been to Tampa Bay this past week, uh, and I think they have a trip scheduled to go to Texas as well. This was part of the problem because similarly, when the Blue Jays, if it was proposed for them to play in Toronto, the visiting teams would have come here and had to cross the border, and they would be coming sometimes from hot spots. So it's just a function in a way of the way they chose to organize their schedule, whereas hockey has these two hubs, Edmonton and Toronto. Everybody comes in, goes into the bubble, basically stays there until they're eliminated or until the whole thing's over. So I think, um, you know, it's not to sort of pick favorites, but I think the hockey one probably has less risk uh, associated with it, uh, and we're now seeing a bit of that, uh, you know, with what's happened with baseball this past week. This pandemic has been full of rules, and I don't want to sound like a school marm, but how do you ensure that those involved in this bubble and in this project, in this uh, hub city, Toronto, how do you ensure they stick to the rules? Well, it's interesting you ask that. It's a very valid question, and we went through it asking the people from the NHL, and we did the same when baseball was considering playing their regular season games in Toronto. And you have to rely first and foremost just on the, um, you know, the community spirit of and the self-interest of the players themselves, because in the end, they're going to be denied the opportunity to make their living and to play games that they love if they violate those rules. And I think they're conscious enough of what they owe to their fans that they don't want to make them sick or be responsible for any kind of an outbreak. And so I was always pretty confident these are mature adults who are um, very accomplished athletes who really want to win. I mean, the Leafs want to win the Stanley Cup and the baseball teams want to win the you know World Series. So I think they take it as serious business, but you're always going to have somebody that uh, maybe doesn't violate, uh, doesn't follow the rules. And in this case, we're hopeful, given that the stakes are so much higher with the public health, that uh, nobody does that. And so, you know, I think so far so good. There's no suggestion, for example, in what happened with baseball earlier this week that that was because a bunch of them were out partying. It's just somebody that brought that virus in, which is easy to do, is in Florida, 
And so, you know, I think uh, hopefully here you're going to have a much better experience. What does Toronto being a hub city for the NHL mean to the economy? You know, that's a really good question. And ordinarily you'd say, well, how much can it mean when you've got essentially, say, a thousand, you know, players and staff and reporters and so on here? And normally that would be a drop in the bucket in a city that attracts 44 million visitors every year and has huge conventions come in of, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people. But the bottom line is with the hotels empty, uh, with, uh, you know, the restaurants uh, just barely reopening uh, as we uh, get into stage three in, in the York region and other regions around Toronto and even in Toronto, that these people visiting, uh, it means a lot. Uh, you know, they say it might mean 30 or $40 million, and again, that doesn't sound like much in a multi-hundred billion dollar economy, but uh, given what we've been through, it's uh, a blessing. So we'll take it. Let's talk about something that is priceless, and that's the psychological boost that all of this is bringing to all of us. Well, I think, you know, for people just to see hockey back on TV, because let, let's face it, this is a made-in-TV thing, and it happens to be taking place here. Uh, and the fact that people can't go down for the, you know, first games or even the ones later on like they would normally do and stand in front of the Scotiabank and cheer on whoever their team is, I think is secondary to the fact people are going to get interested when these games are on. They all mean something because these games are part of elimination series where it's a best-of-five series in the early going, and, you know, that means if you, you know, you lose three, you're done. So um, I think that... The fans are going to be interested. I think the I think the problem, if anything, is that fans are not aware that sports are coming back on TV, so they haven't got back into the habit of uh, watching yet. Some people will be happy in households about that, but uh, I think it's going to be very exciting and a point of great pride that we have one of these two hubs right here in Toronto, and you know that that uh, our Leafs I think have as good a chance as anybody of uh, getting through to the finals that are going to be played in Edmonton, and you know who knows what will happen after that. You've been passionate about this project. Why? I, because of all the things you've asked about. I mean, I, I think it was going to lift the spirit of the city to see hockey played again, to see the Leafs back in action, to have it happening here. I think it, it was going to, it is going to provide a, a boost to the local economy. And the other thing I was talking to some of the Leafs management about earlier this week when I was down for that Indigenous blessing is that every time a game comes on, and there's three games played a day at different times of the day, and a lot of them broadcast into the United States, one of our biggest tourist markets, they're going to be talking about Toronto. And I'm always happy about that, you know, when it's good news and they're talking about Toronto and saying what a great, clean, safe, wonderful city it is. Um, that's a promotion for when people are going to start traveling again, that they'll come and visit us. So those are all the reasons, among others, why, why I think this is a good thing for us. So just a few hours to go until the puck drops for the lease in the NHL playoffs. Uh, Mayor Tory, Toronto's favorite three-word phrase to cheer on the buds as we say goodbye. Would you care to do the honors? Go, Leafs, go. Uh, you know, I was at that Indigenous busing, and I wasn't sure if it was a neutral kind of thing because the NHL was involved in it. But uh, I said well, I was going to say go, Leafs, go, even if it was against the rules, and then apologize later. So go, Leafs, go. <laughs> Mayor John Tory, thank you so much for joining us on the feed. Thank you, Anne, very much. Appreciate it. Pass across the net. He's moving in. Scores! Before teams entered their bubble in Toronto, our Jim Lang caught up with Aurora native, now Philadelphia Flyer, Morgan Frost. Well, it's back. Hockey is back. We're flattening the curve, returning to normal. Uh, the NHL getting ready to return to play in the first weekend in August. And one of the big series taking place, the Flyers against the Bruins. And a key member of the Flyers, a first-round pick in 2017, the pride of Aurora, Morgan Frost, joining us on the feed. Morgan, how are you? 
I'm doing well, Jim. Thanks. Well, no problem. I guess before we get to the playoffs, it, it, it was a shock to the whole world being in lockdown for someone who's a professional athlete and on the go 24-7 as a player. How weird was it to be quarantined and not be able to skate or work out in the gym and just do stuff at home? It was super weird. Um, I mean, definitely the first like month and a half where everything was really serious. There was uh, definitely a challenge. Like you almost didn't want to leave your house at all. So, uh, you know, like you said, kind of as an active person, it was very weird, and uh, you know, just tried to do whatever I could at home to, you know, kind of stay busy and do something, some sort of physical activity and, uh, you know, probably played a little bit too much video games during that time. <laughs> um, the NHL, especially in the NHL dressing room, has a certain energy. Did you find it even more exciting to come back, back with Claude Giroux and Carter Hart and being back with the guys? Everyone appreciated it so much more to get back to just hanging around with each other and doing what you do? I think so, yeah. I mean, um, you know, everyone's used to, you know, hockey being such a big part of their lives and when you kind of just have to take a break like we did, it was, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling and, um, I think everyone's excited to be back. I know it's a, definitely a different situation because it's the middle of the summer, but, um, I mean, everyone wants to play hockey and everyone wants to play for the Stanley Cup. So, uh, I think there's a lot of good energy. Well, and the Flyers going down the stretch, one of the hottest teams in the National Hockey League. You're part of a, a special group of players. Things really came together under Alain Vigneault, and that's one of the reasons why he's considered one of the top coaches in the league. Uh, from a young player's perspective, how much has he helped you develop in this last year, Morgan? Uh, I mean, whenever I got the call up from the AHL, he was, you know, really good with me and, and making sure, you know, I was prepared to go into the games and feel comfortable. And, um, I mean, I, I think he's a great coach. He's a really good motivator and, um, you know, he knows how to communicate with the players well. So, uh, yeah, I think he's done a great job and, you know, it's, it obviously reflects in not only the, the team's record, but also in his, uh, you know, He's a nominee for the Jack Adams Award. So you're back with the team. You're part of the team for the playoff in the Toronto bubble. You're surrounded with guys like Jakub Voracek and Claude Giroux and Kevin Hayes, the certified beauty. Um, is do you guys? I mean, it must feel really good for you, Morgan, to see how far you've come. You bounce back and forth, NHL, AHL, but they see you and what you bring to the table, and that it's something that they need to go deep in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, you know, great feeling to kind of get the call to be here. And, um, you know, even though right now I'm kind of in an extra as a, a roster spot or kind of an extra, I mean, um, it's nice just to be here and you never know what could happen in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to work hard and stay positive, be a good teammate. And, um, you know, if I get the call to be in the lineup at some point, that'd be awesome and uh, be a dream come true. How much discussion within the dressing room and the players have you guys talked about life in the Toronto bubble? I mean, you have family basically just up before four from where the bubble's going to be, but you'll be with your team within the bubble, not able to get out of it. Uh, a lot. I mean, for me, I know my mom's, you know, probably asked me 20 times if she can, you know, come visit me or, or come, you know, drop something off for me, and I got to tell her no. So, uh, you know, that part's tough, definitely, but um, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not really sure what to expect when we get there. I think, you know, I, I'm assuming there's probably going to be a pretty good setup there for everyone, and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll try and make life easy, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be weird for me. That's, like, 30 minutes from home, so... Um, it's going to be weird just being kind of stuck, can't leave the area. 
No, it, it is weird, but it, 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 you know, everyone talks about when you're with a hockey team, how much better it is to be on the road to the postseason. And that sort of band of brothers is going to maybe come in handy for you and the Flyers, Morgan, taking on a team like the Bruins. That's going to be one of the top matchups to start the postseason. Yeah, I, I mean, there's so many good teams in the league now, and uh, you know, even though it's it's kind of a different format this year, I think everything will work out, and um, everyone's going to enjoy watching. I know it'll probably be a bit different without the fans, but um, I don't think that's going to bring down anyone's intensity or motivation to play and try and win the Stanley Cup. So it'll be uh, it'll be some really good hockey for sure. Okay, just to wrap up, Morgan, are you going to take some video games with you if you just to keep you know? while away the time where you're stuck in the bubble? Yes, yes, I have to. That's a lot of time in the hotel. Um, That's one of the things that keeps me sane. So PS4 will definitely be getting packed up. (laughs) What's your go-to video game in PS4? Uh, Right now I'm playing a lot of the UFC game, actually, but... um, that a new Call of Duty came out, so playing a bit of that. I, I'm kind of all over the map. I play a bit of NHL, anything. <laughs> Try and mix it up. <laughs> Morgan Frost, thank you very much. Stay healthy. Good luck. Good luck to the Flyers. Hope you have a deep playoff run. And uh, I know for your father and your mother and your family and friends in the Aurora area, you'll be watching really closely as, as we will as well, uh, making sure you have a great playoffs. Morgan, thanks for this and uh, all the best in the postseason. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Yeah, pleasure. Take care, Morgan. Our first timeout on the feed when we come back. Game on without fans in the stands. This is 105.9 The Region. Do you have a story idea for the feed? Call us at 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer and more of the feed coming up. This is 105.9 The Region. back. I'm Ann Romer with a special sports edition of The Feed on 105.9 The Region. The return to pro sports will be different for the athletes and for the fans. Sunil Joshi now with the psychology of the game. Professor Joe Baker joins us on The Feed from York University's Faculty of Health School of Kinesiology and Health Science. Professor, thanks you for joining us. Uh, what are your thoughts on the return of professional sports? Well, I've got mixed thoughts, to be honest. Um, I think it's a great thing to see things getting back to normal, provided that they're taking the right precautions and not putting players at risk. Uh, I think everybody wants to have something to do uh, to watch. Um, I think people are missing sports, and this is a great way of reengaging people with the teams that they love. But, you know, as long as we're doing things smart and and, uh, taking the right precautions, I'm all for it. Although we'll be engaging, we'll be engaging through television because no team will have the traditional home field or home ice advantage because fans will not be allowed into the stadiums. Will, will this be a factor? Well, almost, yeah, it's it's funny because this is a completely unprecedented event in the modern era of professional sports, so we don't really know how teams are going to be affected, but all of the research that's been done um, suggests that the players should be affected and they should be infected in a, a pretty uh, meaningful way. The good thing, I guess, for each team is they're all in the same situation. So if one team's affected, they all should be affected similarly. Locally, the Raptors and Leafs will be in the bubble concept. The Blue Jays, however, are going to be nomads, it appears. What kind of effect do you think that'll have on everyone that's involved with the team? 
Yeah, it's unfortunate that the Jays have to face this additional obstacle of not being able to play any games in their home stadium, which, you know, it makes it a little bit more difficult for them even compared to other teams in, uh, in the MLB. But, you know what, the, the, the fact that they've, um, they've got so many different things that they have to juggle this year, adding one more thing, I'm not sure it's going to have the, you know, really profound effect on their performance. It's such a strange year that adding a little bit of extra strangeness probably isn't going to change the situation too much. Now, thankfully, sports psychology has been a part of the norm for more than five decades. So how would you see teams deploying the ones that they have on staff during, obviously, this extraordinary situation? Yeah, it's interesting. Hopefully they um, are looking at this as, uh, you know, um, checking the boxes in terms of these are the things that we can do, these are the things that we can do well, and then providing the players with coping strategies for the situations that are going to be new and that they're not going to have experienced before. Um, the more they can manage this and the teams that can manage it better, they're the ones that are going to have the advantage going into such a short season. There's not a lot of time for them to kind of figure things out on the fly because the season is so short. And any team that gets a big advantage right off the hop is going to probably carry that advantage for much longer than they would in a normal season. So do you feel the teams that are veteran players who've gone through different things may have an advantage versus a young team that's uh, literally their heads are spinning? Well, it's an interesting point because um, the the veterans might actually have a harder time because they've got such depth of playing experience and competition experience with all those fans there. It'll be interesting to see and compare the veteran players to the younger players to see um, whether that veteran experience and more time uh, makes it harder for them to adjust to this new situation because they probably haven't spent much time playing without fans and without that kind of pressure they probably the reason they're veterans is because they've created a performance system that allows them to um, maximize that pressure and perform well under it so what happens to their performance when that pressure is not there when those thousands of screaming fans aren't there it'll be really really fascinating to watch also getting a boost from those fans and as i as i discussed is that we as fans want to watch our teams compete any sense on how fans will consume the return of pro sports from what i've seen um, online and social media and the fans that I've talked to, everybody is so excited to get their teams back that they've been pretty receptive. If anything, we've seen um, almost an over-engagement with teams uh, right now, so I'm not expecting to see any kind of drop-off. In fact, we might see the interest ramping up because there's so uh, little else to do at the moment. Um, so, yeah, again, it's one of these questions that it's hard to predict because we've never experienced experienced this before so it'll, it'll be really neat to kind of watch and see what happens so in that sense i mean the morning after game usually there's much discussion on what went wrong and what went right so one would think because of this situation that fans will be talking about it more than ever the next day yeah, I think that's probably true because, you know, uh, the lack of other things to talk about, you know, there's no there's no um, new movies or TV shows or any of these other things. So sport really is rising up in terms of its um, its prominence in, in entertainment. But, um, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether that engagement and how much um, how much leeway the teams are given by their fans when, you know, streaks aren't going the, the way that 
fans would like, um, performances aren't going the way they would like, how much flexibility and adaptability are those fans going to have for teams that are just struggling to get out on the field day day by day, players that are away from their families, teams that are struggling to, to keep um, staff members paid, you know, all these other elements that go into professional sports in and, in and above the competition that fans rarely, rarely think about. Hopefully, given the situation, fans are going to be a little more forgiving of their teams. I'm wondering how children and young adults will view games, if at all, because for the past five games, or five months rather, they found alternatives. Yeah, it's interesting. And one of the um, things that we've seen is as people have rebounded and, and kind of readjusted their life to this new uh, situation, they've filled that space with doing other things. And so um, professional sports, it, it will be interesting to see how the rest of the world responds to the professional sports and whether we've overvalued or maybe um, you know realistically valued the role of professional sports. And it, prior to COVID-19, did it have a, um, a place that was above its actual social value? These are the kinds of questions that we're would never get a chance to experience in a normal situation that we're probably, you know, for researchers and scholars like myself, this is going to be a point in time where we get to explore these kinds of uh, natural experiments that you could would only be a thought exercise other than in this kind of situation. While we expect all of the various leagues to take stringent approach to what's happening, there is still the distinct possibility of multiple positive tests forcing one or more leagues to shut down. Do you think that'll lead to the type of panic we saw the first time around among fans? That is something that leagues are putting contingency plans into place for. We do some work with one of the professional sports leagues and um, or teams in Major League Baseball, and we know that they've got contingencies in place for that exact thing to happen. Uh, the fact that they're already anticipating this, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but I think they're prepared if it does, means that we will shouldn't see the kind of panic that we saw at the onset of this pandemic. Um, fingers crossed that that's what occurs. But again, it's one of these wait and see um, uh, kind of situations because we don't know what that uh, could look like. The number of people involved in just getting these teams up and having a short season in the case of baseball, 60 games. Uh, we're still talking about thousands of people that are required to put that product online and um, on TV for people to watch. What kind of contingency? Well, I know that the there are things like Major League Baseball, for example, is already planning. Um, well, what happens if uh, if what we have to shut down the league? What happens if it's contained to a single team? What's the kind of contact tracing that needs to happen so that they can put a lid on these things as fast as possible? Uh, regular testing of players, um, a regular monitoring of uh, symptoms, all that kind of stuff is part of the the additional package of things that they have to put in play to get baseball up and running this year that they wouldn't have had to do in years past. And so um, I'm not in touch with Major League Baseball directly, but my sense is they're monitoring those kinds of things because they're looking for possible alarms that would trigger the next wave of response to um, to make sure that they can uh, contain this if and when it does um, rear its head during the 
during the season. We've seen auto racing, specifically NASCAR and IndyCar, is going to have a reduced uh, fan attendance at uh, the, their events. Have you been studying as to what that might look like, say, a month from now or two months from now, as we get closer to the fall, and then there'll be professional football, the NFL specifically, maybe the CFL, and even U.S. college football? Well, again, it's one of these um, wait and see. I think the U.S. is a different situation than in Canada, so we may see CFL football coming back in, I think, a much more socially responsible way than we might see NFL. Um, the U.S. response has been radically different than what we've seen up here, and you can see the cases and the, um, the trajectories of, of uh, infection rates being affected as a result. And so, um, hopefully, my, my firm belief is um, that bringing back college football and bringing back the NFL in a way that allows fans to attend is just simply a bad idea. I think we should try to be thinking about ways to bring the sport back without any kind of fan engagement because once you take the lid off that, trying to maintain social distancing and uh, contact tracing and all the necessary things that would be there to provide anywhere close to a safe kind of delivery of sport, um, I think you throw those things out the window and in the U.S. and certain states in particular and certainly with the, the leadership they have down there there's been this kind of lackadaisical response and things will work themselves out well that is no way to respond to this kind of uh, pandemic if you want to do it in a safe and socially responsible way. The inevitable second wave will further shake everyone's confidence. I'm speaking of fans, athletes, their families. Uh, any advice at all? Well, I think, you know, if you, if you look at the trajectories and the um, anticipated hit points for when that second wave is going to start, well, we're talking about around the start of the fall, which is the heart of the NFL season, the heart of the NHL season. Um, we need to be anticipating those kinds of things when we think about the rollout of those massively popular sports. And so, I think fans need to be looking at this and taking as much sport as they can at this time when we can deliver it safely without, you know, cases are, are, are being managed, cases are, um, are, you know, are under control to a certain extent in certain places. Let's enjoy it while we can because I honestly think it's not going to last um, into the fall. I think we're going to see some responses that require things to change. Hopefully I'm wrong, but, um, the you know, the... Uh Normally, I'm an optimistic person, but um, I think the, the pessimist is winning out uh, on these days. Professor Joe Baker from York University, thank you for your insight and time. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks. Not only are professional sports making a comeback, so are youth and recreational activities. Jim Lang gets organized with Team Snap. Well, this is a very, very busy time in York Region. We are in Stage 3, Return to Play, and that means sports, which has been on hold for a long time, is back in full swing. To talk more about it, thrilled to be speaking to Dave DuPont, who's the CEO of Team Snap. They have worked hard since 09, taking the work out of play with millions of users in Canada getting active again. Dave, how are you? 
I'm doing great. Uh, as, as I said uh, in my comments before, we actually started this broadcast uh, in spite of all. Yeah. In spite of all, we're doing great. Well, you know, COVID-19 has presented quite a dilemma for people involved in, in soccer and baseball and other sports activities in Canada throughout North America. After being on hold for so long, all of a sudden all these youth athletic organizations and leagues have to squeeze like a whole season in six, eight weeks. Right, right. That's part of the reason why on our interactive heat map, we're actually showing a return to sports in many provinces that's well over 100%. And the reason is because the way we measure the return to sports is how many new teams have been formed and how many events have been scheduled relative to the same period last year. Hmm. And precisely because of what you just said, Jim, compressed schedules, there are a bunch more events. Something like uh, the last time I checked, it was 35% more events at the same time last year. Events means practices and games. And I have a sense from a lot of my friends with kids who are cooped up that maybe we're on that verge. Do I sign up to play a certain sport this year? Do I want to do it? All of a sudden, they want to do it because they needed to get out and get active again. Right, right. We heard that from the beginning of the crisis uh, throughout North America. After a week or two, parents and kids were anxious for the kids to get back out on the field or on the rink. And that's one thing in your data that I find fascinating, Dave, baseball and soccer at 100% capacity, and other sports are getting bigger as well. But I noticed volleyball. Now, is that beach volleyball that's 100%? Yeah, volleyball is a little surprising. Um, and, and volleyball for us at this point is mostly um, not beach volleyball. It's mostly indoor volleyball. So that's a little surprising, yes. The one, the one sport... Uh, that has lagged a little in North America relative to some of the others is basketball, which is a, a more um, more of a contact sport than volleyball and more indoors. Yeah, and volleyball in Canada has become a huge sport uh, in no small part to the Raptors and their huge success, but there are more youth leagues, uh, men and women, boys and girls, and camps and uh, skills camps than ever before. So it's, 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 it's a sport. In a lot of ways, in certain communities, it's bigger than hockey. Which is, uh, since we're talking about Canada, that's particularly surprising. What are some of the other things you've noticed? Because the one thing about team staff I find fascinating is for so long, and you talk about it in sort of a, the, the genesis of the company, people struggled. It was disorganized, missed games, missed practices, and now people are using your, your company, your technology, your brain skills and your skill set to make it easier to get involved in these activities. That's right, yeah. Well, I started TeamSnap more than, uh, more than a decade ago now, and it was specifically because I was a busy guy. I'd been involved in tech, and as coach of my son's lacrosse team, I just saw an opportunity to make that whole experience much easier because the, I myself and my fellow coaches were spending more than half our time just organizing and coordinating, and I felt that that activity should be a very small percentage of what we, what we did. I wanted to focus on coaching and, in the case of parents, uh, watching the game instead of trying to figure out who was supposed to be where when. And you think about technology, Dave, uh, with, with apps and group texts and everything like that, it shouldn't be this difficult to let people know, hey, we're going to be on a practice field at 430 in this day for the next hour. See you then. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I remember one of, one of the uh, guys I spoke to uh, when I was first starting the company, he was a coach, and he was telling me that he was a coach of, uh, I think it was an eight-year-old uh, girl soccer team. And when we discussed the opportunity, he said, this could save me a few hours a week because right now, if I need to reschedule a practice for the girls, I am nervous about uh, eight-year-old girls being dropped off at the wrong place or at the wrong time. So I do send out an email, but not everybody reads the emails or not everybody responds to let me know they got them. So the folks that didn't respond, I call up. And ideally, I'd like to be able to just have a quick, hey, did you get the email? The practice is at this time instead of that time, et cetera. But he said, those conversations are never that way. They're always initially that, but then it's, well, you know, why isn't Susie playing more? So every one of those conversations is 20 minutes and we eliminate that. Those conversations can, can still take place, but not in the context of scheduling. So it just frees coaches up to do what they should be doing instead of being organizers. To get more details about Team Snap, you can go to their website, teamsnap.com, Team S-N-A-P, teamsnap.com, so you can be more organized. And, Dave, as, as we go forward, I, I know I'm more appreciative. I ended up, I'm working out more on a more regular basis than I did before because I don't want to get out of shape. I feel if I'm healthy, then I can fight off COVID. And I'm seeing a lot of kids, a lot of kids getting more active, and they're thinking the same thing. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. Now, the, the evidence shows that... Uh if you are healthier, then you've got a better chance of withstanding the uh, an infection. One of, one of the members of our team at TeamSnap uh, got uh, her her partner was uh, was a nurse in intensive care, and everybody in the family got COVID. She frankly was over it in a few days because she's a very avid runner hmm. and is in fantastic shape. Um, and unfortunately, the reverse is true for people that are overweight or uh, have other health conditions and sport is a great way to ensure that you're healthy. So yeah, there has been an increased emphasis on health. I will say uh, a friend of mine uh, took the opposite approach and said, from what I can tell, half the people are going to emerge from this crisis uh, 10 pounds overweight and potentially with a severe alcohol problem. (laughs) (laughs) Or with really long hair. Well, a lot of people have really long hair. Yeah, I've seen that, including me. Yeah. Uh, the numbers are fascinating from Team Snap at TeamSnap.com about the return to play, especially in Canada's, in some cases overall, over 161%. I only hope as someone who's active and, and really believes in the power of sport that a lot of the youth that have gone back on full full swing in soccer, in baseball, whatever the sport, they continue this and stay active and stay healthy. The healthier we are, I think, as a society, it's a better society. So I hope this augurs well for the next, not just for the next few months, Dave, but the next few years. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, the, the value of sport is uh, has been proven at the individual level, as we were just talking, and I think it will actually even help uh, people build some um, strength against against infection. But in addition, sport is uh, not just good for individuals. It's good for families. It's good for communities. It's good for society as a whole. It teaches valuable lessons. Teaches cooperation. I'll quote the Duke of Wellington, who said, uh, "The Battle of Waterloo was won on the plains." fields of Eaton. And I think that's true. I've, I've lived in a variety of countries and uh, Canada and the U.S. have this team sports mentality that 
I think is incredibly valuable. It's just part of our society. It's, we're used to working together because of sports, and I think that serves us well as, as a society, not just as individuals throughout our lives. Well said. Dave DuPont is the CEO of TeamSnap. Dave, thank you so much for this, and continue great research and great success in helping families and kids get active post-COVID-19. Thank you very much for having me, Jim. Take Pleasure care. talking to you. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Next up, we hit the hardwood with Raptors superfan Navbatia. This is the feed on 105.9 The Region. Follow us on Twitter at 105.9 The Region. Ann Romer and more of the feed after the break. This is 105.9 The Region. We're back on the feed, 105.9 The Region. I'm Ad Romer. Nav Batia, probably best known as the Raptors superfan, but, you know, he's also brought so many of us together through the love of sport. Shaliza Bacchus goes one-on-one. That's right. I am joined by the one and only, the true superfan. No one really does compare. Hello, Mr. Navbatia. How are you? Hello, Shaliza. Thank you for having me on on your program. It's such an honor to get to finally speak with the superfan from one superfan to another. It feels amazing to talk to you. Thank you very much. So I, I need to get your thoughts on the return of the NBA. First of all, how excited are you to see our champions back in action? Well, I'm excited uh, with the team we have, and I'm excited that finally, after this uh, disastrous four months of COVID, you know, we are back at least. We won't, I won't be apart. I won't be sitting in the arena there. But at least I'll be able to enjoy the game on the television and support them from the television. Yes, of course. So that's my next question. You know, you have been at pretty much every Raptors home game for how many uh, don't years? Say pretty, don't, don't say pretty much. Every game. Every single game. <laughs> every game for the last 25 years. I've never missed a day of a game, missed a game. I've never been late and I've never left a game early. Good. As a true super fan. And so how does it feel now? You're going to have to sit on the couch and watch the yeah. game. I feel good. I feel good. You know, under the circumstances, what is happening, I think even watching the game over the, on the television is going to be an amazing gift to me because I've been missing the ball, basketball for the last few months. Yes, we all have. So what are yeah. you most excited about, about the Raptors yeah. game versus the Lakers? Oh, the, you mean the first opening game? Well, yeah. I'm... Uh, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a hell of a game, and uh, you know Lakers has the, have an opportunity to play the the champions, mm-hmm. and uh, they will be facing the champions. And I for the first time uh, here in uh, oh no actually it's a, it's a it's a neutral territory there. I was going to say that or oh, they're going to be facing at home, but no, it's going to. But I think it's a Raptors home game there. Yeah, it's going to be to be a Raptors home game. So, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm going to see how we face face the superstars there. They have Anthony Davis. They have uh, uh, LeBron James. Eh, and LeBron see how who? Do that. <laughs> huh? LeBron who? Right? Yeah. Well, no, I cannot say that. LeBron oh. <laughs> James is uh, uh, LeBron James is a you know he's a great player, mm-hmm. and I think he's the best player on this earth right now playing, mm-hmm. who's playing basketball. So I have to show him he's a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and I have to show him that much love and respect. So, you know, but it will be good. Uh, it will be good to watch, uh, you know, uh, to, 
played them, and I, I believe it's going to be a very interesting game. It's going to be a very exciting game for all of us. Yeah, and see, that's the thing with you, Nuav. I love how humble you are. You're not letting anybody talk smack about LeBron James. You're saying, hey, he's my friend, and he's an amazing player, and I agree 100%. But what if it comes down to the situation that we're in the NBA Finals, and it's the Raptors versus the Lakers? Oh, it's, uh, I'm cheering my whole, I'm cheering. I mean, it, friendship is only for uh, before the game and after the game. During the game, there is no friendship. Everybody knows, everybody, everybody in the league knows that. I love everybody. Everybody is my friend on every team. But once the game starts, it's only Raptors, baby. That's all it is, Raptors. Yes. So all the way Raptors. And uh, I've been already teasing him that, man. You will have a hard time. You're going to be playing the champions. And uh, it's not that LeBron James, when he was in uh, Cleveland, he could run over us. It's a different (laughs) Raptors team right now. Yes, agreed, 100%. You know, I was actually having a conversation with a friend, and she was saying the one thing she loves the most about this Raptors team is how versatile they are and how you never know who might drop double-digit points. (laughs) You know, that's a fact. You know, you don't know. I mean, if it's going to be a Norm Powell or it's going to be Pascal Sikam or it's going to be Ibaka or it might be Freddie Van Fleet, you know. So, you know, the last game in the championship in Oakland, who was the... Who, who showed up this mm-hmm. time in the third and the fourth quarter? When we, mm-hmm. all the three pointers were going into there. So, you know, you're very right. Your friend is very right that, yes, because we are a good team. Yeah, we might not have any superstars in the team, but we have a great team. And you know what? All our team has played last year. They are gelling. The coaching staff is the same. Almost everybody else is the same. The players are the same. The plays are the same. So we are. That's what our advantage is. And we are the champions. So unless somebody beats us, we are the champions. And we have an attitude about ourselves. Yes, we definitely do. Now, I know that things are going to be very different. You know, do you think... After watching these scrimmage games, it feels like the Raptors never stopped playing. Am I right? Well, I think <laughs> I saw a couple of I saw a couple of games, and yes, I think we have some. You know, after not playing the games, the physical game, the proper game, uh, uh, you know, it takes some time to get together. But I think uh, they will be ready. I think by. Um, uh, Saturday, which is the first game uh, with the Lakers, I think they're going to be ready. Our coaching staff is amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, I think our players are amazing. I think they're going to be, our boys are ready, and you know, our attitude of the boys is very good. They know that they are, uh, they are, nobody can beat them as a team. We don't need, we don't have just Anthony Davis and mm-hmm. uh, LeBron James, you know, two superstars. Here, Every anybody could be a superstar that day, winning that game. Yes, one hundred percent agree. So bubble or no bubble, we are still the champs, and we're gonna kill it. That, that's the fact. You know, that's the fact. We are going to. I think it's going to be a very, very. Uh, I don't know what the what, what the basketball media is putting us as an underdog for that game or not, but doesn't matter. Even if they put it as an underdog. I like it. I mean, I like to go as an underdog uh, because I've been an underdog all my life mm-hmm. here for 35 years. I've been in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's good to be underdog and perform it. So it's all good. I think uh, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a very good team. Uh, they're a very good Lakers are a very good team. And, uh, you know, I feel that... Uh, 
it's going to be a very well watched game and uh, but like i said i think the advantage goes to the raptors being a being a champions the reigning champions and also almost the same team you know we have the basically the same mm-hmm. team like last year Exactly. And you know what? Underdog or not, we still have that trophy. We still have that ring. Nav, you've got that big sparkly ring. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, I call it, it's a ring which belongs to all the fans. Yes, I got, I was blessed to get the, the player's ring, you know, which I got it on October 22nd on the opening night. Mm-hmm. And it was a, I, I have it. It's a, you know, amazing, amazing ring. Yes. And, but don't say it's only my ring. Yes. I, I, I am the uh, it is in my custody but that ring belongs to all the fans so anytime anybody wants to wear take a picture and brag about it they are welcome to do that you're holding on to it for all of us all of us that ring belongs to all of you guys all the raptors fans all over the world so where do you keep it <laughs> I'm just just wondering. No uh, no 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 no. It's in a secure place. It's secure. All right. Not it, 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 it is secure. I'm securing it for all of you fans. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. Even even I don't share that with my wife here today. Oh, because snap. She's up she's upset that ring is more important to me than my wedding ring. All right, you heard it here. You heard it here. Not even the wife is yeah, allowed yeah, to touch yeah. the championship ring. Oh, no, 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 no. She doesn't even know where it is. Oh, no. She doesn't have the code on it. <laughs> You're too much now. You're getting yourself in trouble right now. Well, it's okay. It's a fact, though. You have to be honest. For the Raptors, honest, for the Raptors yeah, it's I mean, okay. Yeah, you know, everybody knows Raptors is my first club. Yes, 100% we know that, Nav. And we thank you. On behalf of all super fans, we love you and thank you so much. Now, if fans want to follow you, of course, if they're not already, I don't know why they wouldn't be, but if they want to follow you and find out more about the super fan life and how awesome you are, where can we find you? Well, I have an Instagram. You know, I have an Instagram handle, not that you're a super fan. And you can uh, go on it and you know what I'm doing with it. Where I am, I share every everything which I do with, in the public. I share that with it. And let me tell you to all the fans who are listening, guys, watch it, support wherever you are, anywhere in, wherever you are. You watch it on a television, you watch it in a sports bar, you wherever you watch it, you watch it on the your laptop. Make sure keep supporting your Raptors. And let me tell the world, be ready to be surprised again. Last year. They didn't believe it. They didn't. They didn't give us anything that they will be, will be the champions. They didn't trust us for that. Again, this year there is a lot of doubts. We are going to surprise the world again. Go Raptors, go! Hashtag We the North. <laughs> we the North, <laughs> and let's go Raptors. And we are going to be back-to-back champions. Yes, back-to-back, just like Drake says, right? Back-to-back, and thank you. You know, you have a lot of energy. I enjoy (laughs) talking to you. Thank you so much, Nav. Thank you very much. He steps back, tries for the three. Go! Head to 1059theregion.com for more of the feed, or you can follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion for local news and everything York Region. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.